Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Barbara Butler believes we all need to play more, kids and adults alike. Through play and immersion in nature, we are able to quiet the noise in our minds. Children use play to build their own social structures, problem resolution skills, and it offers them a social, emotional, and physical outlet. She is the founder and CEO of Barbara Butler Artist Builder. She's been designing and building extraordinary custom tree houses and play structures for children for over 30 years, both residential and commercial within the United States and internationally. Barbara's mom wanted her to be a lawyer, but she loved working with her hands. School breaks were spent working for her brothers, learning bricklaying and construction. After graduate school, she gave up on the idea of getting a real job and moved to San Francisco to be an artist. She started painting, then building decks, then landed her first play structure job working for Bobby McFerrin, the don't worry, be happy guy. That was all it took for her passion to be realized. Today, Barbara and I talk about the importance of play and imagination in children's lives, why we need to join them, and we dig into some of the lessons she learned as a woman in a male-dominated industry. Let's dig in. Welcome to Gold. I am so excited to have with me on today, Barbara Butler. Thank you for joining the Gold family. Hi, Jeanette. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Me um, me too. I, I love, I've been reading some media on you, some articles, and we were just ch- chatting before we got started. I love what you do. I love that you're trying to um, bring back through your passion, um, healthful play for kids. And, you know, I'm raising an eight-year-old in a time where we have all of these devices and getting them outdoors is difficult. And then even when you do get them outdoors, it seems like the world has changed. I remember climbing trees when I was a kid and it being like we would spend hours playing outdoors and we just don't do that anymore. And yet you build these beautiful play structures to tap into imagination. How did you get started? I know it was a passion for building, but what made you decide that you wanted to help um, create this like imaginative place for children to really express themselves? Well, I, I really started building just to, I was an artist, I was doing painting and, and I wanted to be a writer. You know, I just, I, I had so many things I wanted to do, but um, my brothers worked in construction and I liked that. So I, I learned bricklaying first for them, from them, and then I went into remodeling, but it was really just to pay the bills. And then I started a company with a friend who wanted to do construction, doing backyards, imaginative. He wanted to do, you know, imaginative backyards, but we had never thought of play structures. And then my first big client, who turned out to be Bobby McFerrin, the singer of Don't Worry, Be Happy, he, mm-hmm. his wife, his wife, Debbie said, well, I'd love an, I'd love a really unusual creative play structure at the bottom of the yard. And I was like, now that sounds fun. And I went and I played on all the play structures in town for my research. And I realized it just, I just totally loved it. It combined everything I loved. It, I made it very artistic. I carved the poles and made stain and stained it these different colors. And I used my own truck tire for the tire swing. 
so it brought together everything I loved, construction, kids, play, outdoors, uh, imagination. So it just kind of brought it all together. And and I decided after that job, I mean, I made like a dollar an hour on that job. <laughs> and I decided at the end, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to make play structures and tree houses for kids. And I, I just have like never swerved away from that. You know, it's been 30 years now. I keep doing it. I love it. Well, and you get and you build these amazing, beautiful structures that have now been covered by the likes of Oprah and all of these different um, media outlets because they're they're gorgeous and functional and customized. And I was looking over a few of them and I was like, oh, my gosh, as a, I would have never mine would have been blown. <laughs> like I was playing. We had like plywood. Right. And like, well, right. Just, Me, too. I yeah. Mean, we just had a tree. I just played in a tree. And it's true Same. now. You know, I've kind of combined this high quality craftsmanship because basically I started out as a really good carpenter. I became a very good carpenter. Mm-hmm. Now I have a team of 14 and we build them and we actually are fortunate to get to build and install all over the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do, I do public and private and uh, I like having that range of, I do very high end residential. I do affordable housing for some developers. I have public parks. I do schools, daycares. So I, I love the combination because really my focus is all about, getting kids outdoors and playing together. Well, and I saw something that you had had said in an interview about the fact that you would love to work with schools and those that, you know, in at-risk populations who in daycare centers who don't have maybe the budget for something where they're, they have safe play structures. And I was, I mean, in my background, I was in finance and I was on the, the Bank of America Foundation. And one of the things we did was we actually installed play structures at daycare centers because we knew these kids needed a place to get outdoors that was safe and, and and good for them. So we would actually partner with a couple of different local builders to try to create play structures because we also recognize, I mean, there's there's science and data behind the fact that if you get a child outside and um, engage them in imagination, what it does for their mental, emotional, and physical health. And so we recognize key, keeping them cooped up in, in a room all together with all those germs, <laughs> um, not necessarily the best the best thing for them. Do you get a chance to, um, to watch the kids at play to actually... Um, enjoy some of the structures and, and see some of these kids have an opportunity to, to express themselves? Oh, yeah. That's my favorite part. I mean, so now we, we originally built them all on site, um, but now we build them around 2000. We switch. We build them all in my shop. We take, you know, lots of measurements ahead of time. We build them all in my shop in South San Francisco. And then the installation is very fast then. But I love going and watching. Well, one, the kids love watching us install because it's like a tv show Mm. and then we and then afterwards opening it up to them watching them play and explore on it is great in fact i love every part of it you know really the designing it working with the families or the communities you know i love the designing it and trying to fit it in unusual spaces i i kind of have a niche that way that because i'm wood you know i do all wood some Mm -hmm. metal some plastic but mostly wood and i'm very able to fit in unusual spaces that a standard play structure won't fit. So that's part of why my interest in daycares came together because often daycares have terrible little spaces, right? Right. They're on a shoestring budget. It's in someone's backyard, you know? So, you know, there's all these in California, it's the law. You have to have this use zone and you have to meet all these codes. So what I want to bring is my experience with making, you know, public structures that meet all the codes you know, and try to fit them into 
um, daycare yards where they often, you know, just are thwarted from even putting up a compliant play structure because yeah. they don't know where to go. They can't order one out of a box from somebody. Yeah. So it is well, my New Year's resolution this year to start my nonprofit, actually. Oh, congratulations. That's an amazing. Thank you. That's an amazing um accountant said, Yeah, my accountant said do it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. Um, with your with your kind of role that you play in construction, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, it's you're a, a kind of a female disruptor, right? You you are in the space of construction. You're becoming or are well known for what you do and what you build. And there was a quote that I love that you said because I've lived my life alongside this in so many ways. Where you said, "Forgive them ahead of time." Tell me a little bit about what that means to you. <laughs> yes, because I start. I love that you love that quote because I, uh, you know, some people don't get it because when I started out and I would go and and it doesn't happen as much now but if they don't know me and my work you know I show up you know you're going to build this what you know they hear it's very expensive you know the mm-hmm. other construction crews on the site might hear that it's going to be very expensive and so they don't want to you know have you know they they're just very suspicious they maybe throw up a few roadblocks they don't necessarily mean to i think they just don't know who i am and don't know whether i'm going to be a load of trouble so my feeling is just forgive them ahead of time. Don't mm. bother, get upset about it. You know, just let's just move forward, act like everything's fine. And by the end of the job, you know, they're usually like very enthusiastic. Once it goes up, everyone's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, you're such a good carpenter. Oh my God, such great craftsmanship. Look at the kids playing, you know. It's just that it's so unusual what I do that everybody's a little you know, resistant at first, you know, so that's why I say, forgive them ahead of time. Let's just cut to the chase. We're here to do some great work. It's all yeah. about kids and play. And, and I think being a female in construction is part of that reason that there's, you know, the resistance to me, but it's also because it's about kids and play and it's bringing a really high quality to um, play structures and tree houses. So that's unusual. Mm-hmm. But I, but I find that's like um, how kitchens and bathrooms and homes used to be kind of small, unimportant rooms. And then they got bigger because we realized people lived in those rooms. And to me, it's the same with the backyard. Mm-hmm. The backyard is very important for families and neighborhoods, friends gather. And why not create this really cool outdoor room there for kids to play and use their motor skills, socialize with kids in the neighborhood who might go to other schools and um, bring the parents and the kids playing together, create something that's different than the house, that's fun, mm-hmm. it's outside, it's up in the trees, it's interacting with nature. I just love all that, to try to bring all this to a project so that, you, you know, it's like I'm not against screens, but I definitely want them to forget about their screen for a little bit while they're busy, like going through the secret escape, climbing down the rope and rung ladder, and then climbing back up the rock wall and sliding down the fire pole. I love that because I'm thinking of my daughter right now and her interactions with her friends. She had a little slumber party this past weekend, and I was thrilled to let her friends stay for multiple nights because of how happy they were. I was like, you're you're not begging me to play with your iPad. You're not wanting to watch a movie. Like, they had all of these toys out, and they played. Um, it was really cute. So my I have a, a massage table in my 
um, my guest room and they pulled it out and I didn't know what they were doing. And all of a sudden they come downstairs and they're like, do you have any cucumbers? And they said, I don't. They're like, what about pickles? And one of the, my, my daughter's friend was like, I'm not using pickles. And I'm like, what's happening? So I go upstairs and they have, they have taken paper out of my printer and they have colored cucumbers to put over their eyes because they're playing spa on the massage table. And I'm like, this is amazing, right? Like having the opportunity to play and to create and to create the world that you're kind of living in. And they, I, I caught them in various aspects of role playing and pretending and all of that stuff. And you don't typically see that as much, I think, because we're so busy. We're so busy and it's just easier to give your kid a device, which is terrible. No, it's true. And, and, and having to create something, creating cucumbers out of paper, you know, that is yeah. amazing, you know, <laughs> and I love what, and that's what I like to do. These are, these are very sturdy shells that I make that encourage them to combine physical activity with imaginative play. Mm-hmm. So creating a clubhouse up high with not too much in it. See, I think a lot of times apps and, 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 you know, you don't want to theme it too much. You know, I think you want kids to bring their stuff to the rooms, you know, bring their stuff to the clubhouse, whatever they're playing with, you know, and have them make it from scratch and let them get dirty out there. I think these are all really important to their development, really important socially. You know, they're smaller families. You know, I come from this giant family. I had seven brothers and sisters and, you know, we just we had to go outside and play every day. My mom was like, go outside and play. <laughs> or I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, and we had I lived in this neighborhood with like 40 kids. I mean, we had some crazy fun times, you know. So part of it, I feel like I'm just kind of recreating, trying to recreate my childhood for kids mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, where you know we roamed around the neighborhood, played games constantly, and and I want kids to have that free sense. Now it's different because you know, they're kind of in the safe circle of the home. They're not wandering around. You know, my mom was saying, don't just be home by dark, you know? Yeah. But so now I want to create this wild space in a yard, or if it's a public setting, I just want them to be like, have some dignity, some sophistication, some privacy for the kids, but obviously have it meet all the safety codes and not be scary or anything like that. But I think it's important to give them some space to explore, but don't fill it up too much either. Let them bring a lot of their own creativity to it. It kind of draws it out of them Mm -hmm. and try to set up little traps for, I like to set up these loops of play where they run around and around. I love that. Well, it's kind of a metaphor for life too. Like, I mean, don't, (laughs) you can't have everything handed to you. You don't have to have all of the answers in front of you, right? You need to have the opportunities to like, create your own opportunities, your own, um, bring your own gifts to the table. Right. And I was, as you're talking, I have this huge smile on my face. Cause I grew up in Florida and we used to make like mud pies in the backyard and we would, we had a grapevine and we would pretend to make wine. And, you know, we did all of these things with the natural elements that were around us. Um, and I just remember the summers being the best time ever because we would just be outdoors, just everything became something else, you know, and it wasn't that we had this really amazing toy that my dad spent $30 on that had these functions and this is the only thing that you could do with it. You know, it was, we were creating our own kind of, um, our own structure, like our own play, play experiences, but even our own social structures. 
Yes. Like the way that we were playing, like we were learning how to deal with conflict resolution. We were learning how to handle like friendships and taking turns. And we were we were learning the skills that sometimes I think kids need to learn on their own without a parent or a teacher standing in front of them, either shaming them because they don't really know how to get through some of these little squabbles or um, telling them this is the way it is. I'm figuring it out for you and taking the onus off of them. Right. I remember being outdoors and playing and being like, we've got to figure this out. Yes, that is such a good point. That is such a good point because, you know, the adults really change it when they're right in the scene and mm -hmm. kids, you know, there's something really great about letting kids figure it out up high in the clubhouse, figuring it out. It's where they get to try on these different roles. Obviously, they can go call an adult if things get out of hand, but I think it is important that they learn to play well with each other. And they, you bring different groups and you're doing all these different games. They set up these games all the time and it's how you try things out. That's why I love to put things like jails in, little hints of jail. <laughs> structures so the kids they love to play these games of good versus evil. You know, you're in the right. jail, you have an escape from jail, you have to bring somebody out of jail. You know, it's just like, it just sets up a, a game of, you know, back in the old days or whatever they want in the future. You know, you just want to sure. do these little hints so that they let their imagination take flight and then play with each other. Today Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live app, now available on the Apple App Store. We believe that a healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. To that end, we have created accountability features on a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. At all times, live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want to goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, we've got you. The team at Live has worked so hard to provide you something special, and since we love giving gifts and self-development is our thing, what better time to offer a gift to build out your 2020 vision than now? For a limited time, all guests who download the app will receive full VIP access for 30 days. That means goal setting, talks, challenges, and a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a Live Method coach to start your new year off right. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at ms.janetteschneider. This offer won't last, so sign up now and happy new year and new decade. From the Live fam to you. I love that. I remember being upset when they started creating books that would have, like, through iPads that would have automation so that, like, Alice would, like, fall down the page or the rabbit would look like this. Or, and I was like, I'm so offended by this because I don't want to give the kids their imagination. We shouldn't be, like, hand-delivering, right, their imagination to them. We have to give them room to kind of picture how things should be in their mind or play things out. So I absolutely love that. Has there been, like, any one or two projects that have been your absolute favorite? Well, it's it's hard to say, you know, because yeah, I have favorites for different reasons, but I do tend to I do tend to have the new baby syndrome, like whatever I'm working on right now, I just love. <laughs> so it's so, new. You know, so right now I'm working on Magical Bridge Playground, my second one for this one's for Redwood City, and this is a great uh, group of moms that I started partnering with about ten years ago, that uh, had kids with special needs and wanted to, and needed a park that had a just a swing with a back you know, for her daughter, mm -hmm. Ava, to be able to swing on. 
So we started on this venture of trying to get a, a fully accessible, super accessible um, park in Palo Alto. And that one, the first Magical Bridge Playground opened in um, 2015. And these moms, went, they learned so much along the way. Olinka Villarreal is the, the founder. She, they learned so much along the way. And then they um, raised all this money and partnered with the city. And now they have this foundation and they're doing it with different cities. So we're building our, our second one in Redwood City. And basically, it, you know, it looks like a normal park. But it's all about community and absolutely no barriers. Anybody can come in with um, wheelchair, you know, blind, hearing, uh, autistic. You know, we're trying to hit, make it welcoming for anyone, kids and adults, and have it be a community playground. And, and uh, it's amazing how much work it takes to design a park that that fits the bill on that. And and I get to do this, all the great fun wood pieces that are very colorful. And I'm doing a two-story, giant two-story playhouse with uh, wheelchair accessibility upstairs and a walkway in the trees. And it's really, it's really a fun project. That's so special. And can you imagine how the kids who get to experience it, who wouldn't typically, right, must feel to have that kind of experience? I don't think I realized, you know, in 2015, we were working so hard for uh, right up to the opening. I mean, the morning of the opening, you know, they're like, oh, my God, we need a key to give it to the city. So I'm making a key in my wood shop, you know, and painting it gold and driving down there. So I just didn't have time to think about it. But then they had the ribbon cutting. They handed over the gold key. And then um, and the bridge, uh, then they cut the ribbon and the the people coming with with kids and adults in wheelchairs and walkers and and just of all different abilities. And they're just like, it was so emotional because they're all coming up to us saying, oh my God, we've never been able to play all together as a family before. Oh, wow. And, and it was like, you know, we were all crying, you know, it was just, and it, and the interesting thing is it didn't stop that day. I mean, we suddenly realized this was a huge underserved part of our community, you know, that people were driving five hours to come to this park, you know? So that's why the moms started the foundation. Now they're trying to build them all over. You know, just to encourage cities, don't just put up another park. Make sure it's fully accessible. I love that. And I love how it, what it teaches our kids in this generation, right? That full inclusive kind of, and, and I see it even with my daughter's school and the way we try to, um, everyone's, we love everyone, right? There's no good or bad or disabled or able-bodied. It's, oh, this is my friend so-and-so, and they deal with this. And it's like a fact, which I'm so proud of. I had someone recently tell me something like that. There was um, their daughter goes to school with a child who has special needs, and um, he had a, a really rough day one day, and he was going to pick up his daughter, and all the other kids surrounded him to support him. Rather than standing on the sidewalk and being like, oh, he's doing that thing again, they were like they all knew their roles and how to support him so that he could get through it. And I'm like, this is this type of inclusive play behavior and inclusivity within children is what I wish we would have, <laughs> we could always keep with us. And the idea of asking cities and parks to be aware um, of, of this inclusive nature of play and social development so that we don't have the us or them, them syndrome as these kids get older. Well, I think you really, you really can do this now though, with bringing kids together to play and not having the, the kids with special needs not able to get to the park, but yeah. bring them into the park, have it, you know, at Magical Bridge, they have these kindness ambassadors, which are like uh, teenagers that kind of make sure things are going okay and have people interacting 
and and childhood friendships are so important for how we deal with the world as adults. So that's how we change things, I think. You know, it's a long game. That's what I say. I'm in for the long game, bringing kids together to play in a very egalitarian setting. And I think it can only lead to good later. Oh, I love that. Have you heard of buddy benches? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the, so my daughter has buddy benches at her school and I was asking her about them. And I feel like the kids today are a lot more woke than we were <laughs> in my generation because I was like, that's brilliant. I'm like, so it happens. And she's like, if you're feeling sad or lonely or no one will play with you, you go sit on the buddy bench and the first person to see you has to come and include you. And I was just like, that's brilliant. And there's no, there's no like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play with them. They're like, oh, he's having a hard time. That's another human being. I'm like, this, I love it. I love what we're doing. Yes. Yeah, so it's very it. active. That's the thing mm-hmm. I like too. It's a very active like plan and it gives, because that's what people need. They need to know a way to, you know, they might think of someone sitting off by themselves otherwise, like, well, maybe they want to be by themselves or something like that. So in a way this, the buddy bench has activated, you know, people to say, yes, we want you to come. I love that. Yeah. I'm curious, over the course of your career, um, as you as you were doing this, you've mentioned in some press that you did that you've had your, your highs and lows, right? You've had your moments where it's taking a while or you've spent too much money on something or you made a decision that was a snap decision. And as a budding entrepreneur, I'm so curious if you have any advice for me. When you're looking at the the past 30 years that you've been doing this and you look at the mistakes and the things that you did and the, the places where you spent too much money or you made a wrong decision. Um, what would you say to the people that are in that place now? Well, I probably made the mistake more of not spending enough money on things. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's unusual, but you know, I really believed in bootstrapping it. And I, I saw other, you know, I mean, I'm in a, sort of a specific genre with uh, being a craftsperson, you know, and you have Mm -hmm. to have a shop, you have to have tools. But um, I had a great fear of fixing up my shop too much because I saw a lot of carpenters, they would get a shop and then they'd spend all their time and money fixing it up, making it perfect and not bringing the jobs in. So I I had a great fear of, of fixing up places too much. So my offices always look like I just moved in, you know, because I'm, I'm like, keep everything on wheels, keep everything moving. And uh, I think the advantage of that is, you know, I, I mean, I do recommend people do that. Don't get too concerned with, you know, feeling you've made it and build this great, you know, environment to work in. I think mm-hmm. the great environment to work in is how you deal with people and just be really true to having good principles with your employees, with your vendors, and that that's the important thing, not how the waiting room looks, you know, <laughs> not how the conference room looks. Yeah. No, I love that. You're the second person who said something like that. Yeah, it's really important to, uh, and I think it's challenging when you first have employees, you know, there's a lot of uh, lore out there about be tough and this and that. And I, that's why I realized as a woman, you know, you know, yeah, I, I'm in a male business. Mostly men work for me. Um, you know, it's, um, but I'm still going to do it in my way, which is more female and it's very nurturing. You know, I'm always making coffee for them. (laughs) I go to site, I have a coffee toolbox that I'm at site and I make coffee. And then the other workers there, I make coffee for them. I, I was a barista for a long time when I was starting out, you know, I, I like making coffee. I don't mean it to be a sexist thing. It's just my way of kind of nurturing and bringing people together and having our little huddles where we talk about things. I, 
Love that. You gotta be true to that, you know? Yeah. I think that that's great because <clears throat> as I've looked over the course of like my past career and now as I'm building this this new business, it's funny because I think that nurturing quality that we have as women where we can be both leaders but also human and rather than getting caught up in kind of an ego struggle, but um, recognizing people for the gifts that they have and bringing them on board because you see their talents, I think is also a really big gift um, and nurturing those talents and nurturing those people and nurturing those relationships. And you are the second person that's told me um, spend more money. And what I'm, I'm learning through the course of that is it's not necessarily spending more money just haphazardly. It's on the right things. So it's also, I think, kind of creating an understanding of like, OK, well, what actually moves my business forward? What what makes me more efficient and more effective? I'll spend money on those things. But like you said, it's not necessarily what the waiting room looks like. Right. And, and I think it's hard to, you know, I think you, you know, we can feel tenuous about the business, but really I've been, you know, I'm so devoted to it. And I think that, you know, to go borrow money, to, to buy tools, to jump up to that next phase, you know, that was a little hard for me. I, I got, maybe I got a little too used to bootstrapping, you know, mm. so, and, and maybe that was a fear of failure in there in a way that maybe, you know, well, I, you know, I got to just make do with what I got. So, you know, I think you have to keep an eye on, you know, you don't want to spend too much money. You don't want to spend too little money. You want to make sure you're, you're, you're moving forward. You're giving yourself, you know, plenty of opportunity. You know, for me, it's like, I want to just be able to keep building these. I want that. That's my prime goal you know keep building these keep doing these things for kids you know it's 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 a happy um partnership of i love building and mm -hmm. i like doing it for kids and i think it's good for kids too so i like that it all goes together that way i love that well i think it's so important too like as i've been building my company and i've had my moments i was, I was telling my partner the other day i'm like it's so funny because like seven days a week like six days out of the week i'm great and on the seventh day i have a breakdown <laughs> Where I'm like, what have I done? Oh, my God. Um, like one of those really rough days where you're barely out of pajamas because you're like staring at stats and your eyes are crossing. And then this morning I woke up you know, because I had one of those days yesterday. And this morning I woke up and Angelo, who um, produces this podcast, was coming. And I knew I had a conversation with you. And I love content creation. And I love working with my team. And I love what we build. And I'm like, let me remember those things. Right. On the days where my eyes are crossed because I'm looking at bank accounts and stats and, and numbers, because um, that's that's the stuff where where all the passion lies and all of the the love for what you do and what you're creating um, lies within those moments. Not when you're in your pajamas. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, you have to do the hard stuff, too. You know, you have yeah. to. And I always say you got to You have to spend a, a half a day a week. I've always said to artists, you have to spend a half a day a week at least marketing yourself you know an artist yeah. want to just get discovered you know it's like you can't do that you've got to do both you've got to do the hard stuff and you got to do the super fun stuff you know so you can continue to do the super fun stuff uh, out of curiosity as a creative do you find the marketing part um do you find that harder yeah you... I mean I, I I'm a, a little resist I'm not that resistant to it I'm just I would be building and painting and doing all the designing you know that part all the time but right. I, I see that um, it's important to do the marketing part to, and it's important to do the, the business part. I mean, my sister now, you know, 
for 20 years now has run the office. So I, I get to do less of the business part, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. But, um, but still as the president of the company, you know, I still do uh, have the overall charge of everything also. So, you know, you have to keep an eye on all these different parts of a business. And um, I just try to make it as pleasant as possible and hire people to do the parts I don't like, but you're still going to have to, uh, keep an eye on it. You know, you have to keep an eye on everything. Yeah, you know, it, absolutely. You got to wear many hats. That's what my mother always said to me. You have to wear many hats in this world. Yeah, I gave my promo- myself a promotion to CMO the other day. <laughs> so I was like, I have a new role. Um, so I'm curious. I want to ask you questions I ask everyone. First and foremost, if you were to look at a younger version of yourself, I'm curious if you could share what age she appears to be and what advice would you give to her? Oh, well, I thought about this because I heard it on your other podcast that you asked that. So Mm -hmm. I I think I would go back to 28 year old me um, and just, you know, you know, encourage her to just keep going. I mean, I am like the poster child of late bloomer. I like had so many different jobs in my 20s. And, you know, I went from my mother thinking I should be president of the United States to like, oh, my God, we're so worried about her. And, you know, I think that um, all those jobs I did, the barista, the waitress, the, I did a little office work, I did the construction, I learned the bricklaying, I went back to graduate school for writing. You know, I was finding my way, but I didn't know where I was going. But I would just go back and tell her, keep going, you're doing it, don't, don't worry as much. Just follow your nose, ask advice, but don't let people stop you, you know? I think I was very determined to go my own way. I didn't know where I was going to end up. It wasn't, I think I was 32 when I started the play structures, you know, and then when I finally found it, I knew it. I was like, this is it. I actually remember saying that sentence. This is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And and pretty much everybody said, yeah, you can't do that. (laughs) I love that. Well, it's so true because we have a tendency to want people to like fit themselves in a box from a very young age. We're like, okay, so what are you going to be when you grow up? Okay, what now? Okay, what now? Okay, now that you graduated college, how's that job looking? Okay, did you get your internship? Did you do this? Did you do that? And then if they don't fit within that structure, we're kind of like, well, you're going to kind of have to figure out your vision soon. And what I've learned from almost every entrepreneur that I've interviewed it doesn't work that way. Like you finally figure it out, like in your thirties or forties and you're like, Oh, this is what I was meant to do. Like I was, I was pulling in knowledge and understanding and life experience and skill set so that I would be ready to do the thing that makes sense for me. And I think that that's been a really powerful lesson for me, especially when I'm mentoring college students, they'll always ask me like, well, I think that this is my direction, but I don't really know. And I'm like, go learn, continue to learn try jobs that you think will be of interest to you. And if they're not, stop. You know, like you have to follow the path and pull up the string in order to figure out who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to stand for at some point in time. Yeah, I couldn't have said, back then I couldn't have said, I want to design and build custom tree houses and play structures for kids. I mean, that job did not exist. You know, now kids tell me that, that that's what they wanted to do. And I'm like, that is so cool. I love it. You know, for me, for me, all I could do was go, this is how I saw it. It's like, follow my nose to the corner. You can't see around the corner. Just go to that corner and then look around and figure out where you're going to go from there. But do it with a passion. Do it with, you know, this is what you want to do. And you'll get somewhere good if you do that. 
Oh, I love that. If you were heading off transitioning, you were leaving this earth behind and you needed to leave behind or wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, what would they be? Well, I, I, uh, I think that I want my, my whole, my whole goal has been to try to get people to stay in touch with play. I want kids to be encouraged to play like forget this getting rid of recess, you know, mm, yeah. like I want kids to be encouraged to do unstructured play and, um, you know, or self-initiated play, however they call it. But I want kids to be able to go outside and play, do a lot of lollygagging. And I want the adults to do it too, because play is good for kids for their mental and physical and emotional development. It's good for adults to tap back into play. So I want families to play together. I want kids to play with each other, with unrelated kids. I want, and I want families to play with their kids and I want them to come to the kids world to do it. So, you know, I just think play is something that can get lost. Lollygagging and play can, can get swept, you know, out when people start worrying about test scores and getting into colleges and things like that. But it's like, it's a very important part of our brain that we need to keep, you know, well-fed because it, it opens you up to receive ideas and move forward and be a really creative individual as an adult. My daughter is going to love this because she's called a lollygagger. <laughs> her dad's always like, stop lollygagging. She's one of those imaginative kids where it's like, it takes her forever to do anything because like, we'll tell her to go take a shower and like 45 minutes later, you're like, what is she doing? And you'll go in there and she's in the shower giving a dissertation to all of her animals that she's put on the floor around her. Um, so it's just so funny. She's going to be like, see, I'm, I'm onto something. Um, <laughs> But I think it's so important that we we do meet our kids in play and we remember what it was like without our devices. And, you know, there's been a couple of times recently where I'm literally attached to my phone, right? Because I've got so many things going on at the same time and I'm staring and my daughter will come up to me and be like, no phone. And she's like, I need your attention too. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I've put it away and like we've gone outside or we've gone somewhere or whatever it is. And the I don't know if it's serotonin. I don't know if it's just the bonding. I don't know what it is. But once you've been away from it for a few minutes and you are changing your mindset and being present in those moments, especially outdoors, if we go on a hike or something like that, it's almost like, oh, none of that matters. None of that stuff matters. Like it's going to work itself out or it's not. But it's in those moments where, when you're being present with yourself and with the people that you love and, and your family that I think you're like, oh, right, this is what we're here to do. Yes, it really clears your head, doesn't it? It does so much. I totally believe in, like, you have to get out into nature as much as possible, all into forest bathing. I think that that's, like, my new... I, I want to do one of those like um, retreats where you go stay in a forest and like one of those cabins where they actually lock your phones up for you. <laughs> like they, There's a satellite phone if there's a problem. <laughs> but other than that, no phones. Right. So Only give the phone to the child. All the adults have to get rid of their phone and have a child lock it up for them. I love it. I love it. My daughter would be like, yes, please. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on Gold, sharing your gold, and for what you do, because I think it's so important that we get kids outside, and I love your call to parents to go play with them um, and to do a little bit of lollygagging. So 
I love that. Thank you so much for being on here. If anyone wanted to reach you or follow what you're doing, where can they find you? Oh, uh, BarbaraButler.com. And then that'll link you up to all our social media also. But we got a great website with lots of pictures. Oh, I, I, the pictures are insane. <laughs> They're beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a house. Well, thank you so much for being on the Sorry, show. I appreciate pleasure. you. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Jeanette. Thank you so much for listening today. I loved Barbara's encouragement to play and lollygag. We all need the reminder to get out of our own heads and back into nature. You can find Barbara at barbarabutler.com. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.